0: As we look back on 2016 and start heading towards 2017, I want to challenge us today and then next week with a little series that I'm calling Calibrate. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, Calibrate? There you go, Calibrate. And, uh, you know, I, I know that each and every one of us love Jesus, and, or you really wouldn't even be here. But as you go through life and as you walk the Christian life out, the Christian walk out, you'll find that things will start attaching themselves to you. You'll start needing to... Recalibrate. Uh, when I fir- first got saved, I was so excited about being a Christian, and everything was so new and so wonderful and so glorious and, and so powerful, and then I started reading the Bible, and it didn't make any sense, and then all my old sins started pug- pulling and tugging at me. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and then I got involved in the church, and then people are in the church, and people or in the church, and so uh, it, that became a very difficult thing for me. Many of them are supposed to be Christians, and I don't know if they were or not. And so uh, that whole journey of just learning to walk in Christ and learning to be strong in the Lord. And so as we go into this series today, I want to teach you about recalibrating. You know, each and every one of us need to constantly be Recalibrating. And if you grew up in an environment somewhat in the church like I did, uh, you may have accidentally gotten the thought process that because you sin, that causes God to distance himself from you. And that's just the opposite of the nature of our God. Our God loves us. He, he embraces us. In fact, the real picture of what our relationship looks like with our God. is like your relationship with your child. You love your child, though your child needs to be whooped sometimes, and though they disobey and and react and respond improperly at times they 're your child, and you love them, and they 'll always be your child now, if they decide to disown you and walk away from you, that is their decision. But when they come as your child, God accepts us as his sons and daughters and Then what you and I must realize is that the process of overcoming sin and walking through our sin, through our, our sinful habits and overcoming those things that 's just a part of Christianity, and we constantly need to Recalibrate. Everybody say, calibrate. And so, to illustrate that today, um, for Christmas, I got a drone. And um, if you have any kind of remote control devices, uh, like with re- remote control uh, RC cars, stuff, there's just a go and a turn. That's all there is to it. But when I got this drone... It's much more complicated because there are four blades powering this thing and also steering this thing. And so as a result, if one blade is lagging a little bit or one of the propellers got bit when I ran it into something, uh, it causes it to constantly be pulling and tugging. And you've got four blades fighting against each other that need to come into unison. So you've got to constantly be calibrating it. And so I thought to illustrate it, I'll give you a little bit of a picture of what we did at Christmas as I learned to fly our wonderful drone. Play that video we'll footage for him. Time. All right, so I love Christmas time, and especially this Christmas, because my number one son, he bought me the coolest toy gift ever, a drone. That's right. Come on now. It's pretty cool. And why did you give me a drone? What do you like about drones? Well, I mean, every dad has to have at least some for, sort of toy, right? So I figured, <laughs> hey, why not a drone? Now, the cool thing about drones is uh, you don't just turn them on and fly them you got to actually calibrate them right they've got a, they've got those four different propellers so as a result they could go in different angles and if they're not calibrated properly they're going to crash yeah because they fight against each other Right, of course. course four propellers and they're pulling and tugging and so forth and then uh, and then the remote control see it It's got buttons all over it. It's not just an up and down and left to right. You actually have to calibrate this particular propeller versus that one and get them all working together. And so it takes a little bit of uh, time to uh, calibrate it and learn to fly it and so forth and so on. so we thought, why not learn to do that today in the living room uh, while our family is eating a little dinner and uh, hanging out for Christmas? And so uh, I think it would be a good idea. I don't... I mean, we might kill somebody or uh, just maim them yeah. real good. It'll be okay. No, I think it will be great, okay? Because you can trust me. I'll learn to calibrate it properly. So let's do it. Let's do it. Out wow. there goes the battery. You should be recording this. So, as you can tell, Cullen was a little better at it, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and so I thought I'd bring it out today. Uh, you'll notice the the black one's not here anymore, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I thought, I thought, you know, since you're here and I'm here, why not try out my skills at learning how to, uh, how, how to uh, fly over your head, so let's turn it on, let's get going, here we go, there we go, there we go. as you can tell, I'm not flying that drone right now. I actually have a professional in the back, David in the back. Thanks for bringing your drone. Get up for David. He's a rock star. And he actually took the footage for us of uh, of Miracle Weekend when we did our great Easter egg hunt. And so thank you so much for bringing it out. I, I, I love you too much to um, to actually fly my drone over your head because I'd like you to stay alive and not sue the church. That was kind of What was in the back of my mind, but one of the as as I illustrate, kind of you know this walking this thing out called Christianity and um, what it takes to constantly uh, live before the Lord. It it really does take a constant recalibration. And if you look back on 2016, there are some things that you're so grateful for that God did, but there's also some things I guarantee you would say, "Yeah, I need to tighten that up." Yeah, I don't really want to be that man, that woman in 2017, and if I could encourage you with this concept, and that is Christianity is always about recalibrating. It's always about learning and growing. See, the thing that I conquered 20 years ago, I don't know why I thought the moment that I conquered it, I no longer, while I had this problem, and then before I knew it, 10 years into it, I'm back at that same problem. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The temptation that didn't have any hold on me back in the day, now all of a sudden it's drawing and pulling. The, the faith that I had to move mountains and cast devils out of people, and now I'm wondering if I can even pray for you know, my, my child to not have the flu. I, I, those pieces are really what Christianity looks like. We've got a key scripture as we jump into the Word today. If you'll go ahead and open your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Ephesians 4, 22. And look what it says. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Can we read it together one more time? We're in verse 22 of Ephesians 4. It's on the screen. Uh, Read it out with me. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Now, Uh, if you'll remember, if you've been uh, in this church for any length of time, I've taught you that we do one key key scripture, uh, which kind of summarizes the message every Sunday. If you'll memorize, if you'll write down, if you'll put in your phone those key scriptures and kind of know what they are, kind of know where they're found, in 52 weeks, within a year, you'll know more scripture than 90% of American Christians uh, have ever known or want to know. And so this passage is actually pulled out uh, of a greater greater pieces of scripture that I want to kind of draw your attention to in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's Let's go back and look at verse 17 all the way through verses 24. And Paul is uh, speaking here to the Ephesians. Let me kind of set the scene. Uh, Paul, on his second missionary journey, as he's kind of closing out his second missionary journey, heading back towards Jerusalem and and obviously Antioch, uh, as he's heading back, he goes through Ephesus, which is kind of a gateway city for Asia Minor. And as he's coming through there, he ends up having this experience where he gets the winning people to Jesus and basically plants a church. Well, he can't stay because he's on his return trip home. So he leaves Aquila and Priscilla to I of oversee the church, manage it. And then we see also in the book of Acts that Apollos comes and he starts encouraging the church there in Ephesus. And when Paul returns on his third missionary journey and he goes to Ephesus, uh, he stays there somewhere between two and three years. So Paul takes a real active role in developing this group of people, this, these Christians. Now, the Ephesian Christians were Gentiles. They were not uh, uh, Christians who had grown up in Judaism. They did not know the, the Torah, the law. They didn't They didn't grow up in church. If you will, and they were kind of like the way I got saved. And I grew up wicked. I mean, uh, the holiday season that we just came through for my family was everybody getting drunk and ended up in a fight out in the front yard and the police coming. That was you know everybody smoking, drinking, and uh, you know for for Christmas most of our Christmas presents were you know uh, you know uh, a case of beer or you know some kind of vodka or you know a case of cigarettes or something like that. You know, and always had to have lotto tickets. Come on, somebody. And so when we got saved and radically changed, you know it was a it was a big transition transformation, but to say that the old ways didn't have some influence on us would be a lie, like many of us understand. And so the Ephesians are having some of these type of journey points now. And so when Paul writes the book of Ephesians, he has now been, he's now in Rome and he's in prison. And he is some two, three years after having discipled them, spent two, three years with them. They have been strong. They've been powerful. But now there's some concern. And we'll pick up in verse 17. And look how he begins to speak to these Gentile believers, these radical Christians. He says this, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. There's a real emphaticness to his statement. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Why is he saying that? They don't live as the Gentiles do. Why? Because he's calling them on the carpet for where they've gotten sloppy at. That's what he's doing. And he says, and the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Why does he start painting a picture about the pagans? The reason why he's painting the picture of the pagans, because he's saying, because listen, don't go back to that. Don't start acting like that again. They are, they are futile in their thinking. They are pagan in, in the way they approach things. Can I just tell you something? When you watch all your late night TV and you're watching all the view and all these people's opinions, you've got to understand something. They are pagan in their thinking. They are lost in their way of approaching problems and solutions for it. We have come to Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ living in me, the hope of glory. And Romans says, the book of Romans says that the things of the Lord are foolishness. To the world that is lost and perishing. They can't say, so why would you tithe to a church? that seems stupid. Why would you give your money to the priest? Why would you not go have sex with anybody you want to? It's your life. Why would you keep yourself in marriage? Why would you do these things? To them, it's foolishness. But look what Paul calls them in the Holy Scripture. He says, no, no, no. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. In other words, God is constantly reaching out to lost people, to people because they're his children. He created humanity. He's constantly reaching out, trying to show them that he wants them, but because of the hardening of their hearts they push him away and they remain in ignorance. And ignorance just simply means a lack of understanding. And so Paul is reminding them, look, this is what pagans are. This is what you used to be like. Why is he painting that picture? Because he's saying, don't go back to that. Watch, you need to recalibrate. You 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 started you started to fly that direction. You you starting to get a pull back to that. Be careful, you're becoming like that again, and that's not who, how you came to Christ. Continuing on in verse 19, having lost all sensibility, uh, sensitivity, excuse me, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a common, excuse me, a continual lust for more. You got to understand something. Before I was a Christian, no one stopped my continual lust for whatever I wanted. Once I became a Christian, I submitted those desires to the living God. But just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that those things don't come and pull and tug and my sinful nature doesn't call out to me day in and day out. Are you with me? Say yes. And so I asked you at the beginning of this service, how many of you love Jesus? And all over you? you're like, yay, me. And I believe that. And I believe that that is very, very beautiful and personal to you and the Lord. But at the same time, as we go into 2017, we need to recalibrate some things. We need to adjust some things. Because if we're not careful, those things will take root and ultimately destroy us. Look down in verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ in that way. Verse 21. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Christ Jesus. You were taught, here's our key verse, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created uh, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, listen, and to put on your new self. Friend, as we move into 2017, it's time to put on some new self. It's time to recalibrate some things that gotten a little sloppy, gotten a little out of whack, Gotten a little goofy. And I'll be honest with you. This is a little lower inversion. Uh, so, so the more expensive ones, uh, they're a little easier. Or if you will, they're a little more technical to calibrate. I have worked and worked and worked and worked on trying to calibrate this thing. And I am still running it into everything. It goes, yeah, pow. I mean, I just, I just can't seem to get it straight. And every time I run it into something, it affects the blades even more to where it continues to pull more that direction. Some of you have been through some things in life. It's run you into some things, you'll have a pull to doubt that God really loves you because of what happened to you and your ex, with your ex-husband. Some of you are going to have a, a bend towards being a gossip and a slander because you have such a deep-rooted insecurity because of the way you were treated as a child. You're going to have these bends, and you're going to constantly have to recalibrate till you get it stabilized. And then once you get it stabilized, you can soar to the heights that God has for you. And I want to challenge us this week right now, to start stabilizing some things by recalibrating. So let me give you the three areas that I think are paramount for you and I to recalibrate as we go into this next year. Number one, the first area to recalibrate is our faith. Our faith. Do you love Jesus? Say yes. Yes. Do you have faith in him? Say yes. Yes. The problem with faith is that we're also consumed with unbelief. See, you can have faith and unbelief working at the same time. They tug at each other. You say, oh, what are you talking about? I don't know if I believe that. Absolutely you believe that because it's practically true. One minute, you can have faith to believe for someone to get healed of a cold and you lay hands on them, then up rolls a person in a wheelchair and you're like, oh, no, snap. No. You can have faith that God will provide for your car note but have a difficult time believing for your house note. You can have faith for someone else's kid to serve the Lord but have a hard time believing that your own kid will serve the Lord. Because unbelief sets in. And so when we're talking about recalibrating our faith, it's critical that you and I come back and look at ourselves in the mirror of faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Have you started doubting in a particular area? Do you have a bend towards unbelief in a certain situation because you got hit there, because you ran into a wall there early on in your walk with Christ, or because this last year you got dealt a blow that wasn't fair, that wasn't right, and you're looking at God saying, I thought you loved me. I thought you were there for me. I can't tell you how many times I have counseled, Jamie and I have counseled pastors wives whose pastors whose husbands the pastor ran off with some gal and this this woman sitting there saying i gave my whole life to him to the ministry and this is what my god's gonna do to me it's gonna let this happen?" you can't understand how deeply wounded their faith was in that hour and they have to recalibrate If they don't, they will forever be running into that wall. They'll forever be crashing and never come to the heights that they need. We constantly need to be recalibrating our faith. This is one of my favorite passages out of Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord. With all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Friend, can I tell you something? Every day, I have to wake up and say, "Lord, I'm going to trust You. I'm going to trust You with these people. I can't pastor these people, Lord. They got problems bigger than me. I don't know how to fix it, Lord. I can't fix the things that are wrong with this nation. Oh my God, Lord, I'm just going to put my trust in You and lean not on my own understanding, because I don't know how in the world we're going to make it through this next couple of years, dear Jesus. All I know is if China doesn't. Bother us, and the Russians don't steal everything from us you're going to be Lord on high in the United States of America. All I can do is trust in the Lord with all of my and I have to constantly recalibrate that because of fear, doubt and unbelief that constantly is bombarding my mind, my heart and life situations that are causing these things to come into effect and here's a second area that I want you and I to start recalibrating here and now and that is number two our righteousness our rightness with God or as the scripture calls it Holiness. The scripture uses the word righteousness a lot. And what I'm talking about is our right standing with the Lord and our not giving ourselves over to sin. Now, as I opened up this message, I talked a little bit about or I introduced the thought process that, that, you know what? As Christians, if we grew up around the church, we probably got this feeling or this sense. It wasn't necessarily the doctrine of the minister preaching to you, but it somehow becomes the doctrine of us simply because... Because we feel shameful about our sin, and because we feel shameful, we think we should step away from God, because we've sinned, or because we're not completely right with the Lord, because we've made mistakes. Frank, can I tell you that is the most foolish, ignorant thing you could ever do? That is the greatest ploy of the enemy to keep you from your loving God. See, when I fall, I have learned it I know it sounds crazy. I run to him and say, "I blew it again. I'm worthless, but you are good." For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me understand. I want you to understand. Your daddy doesn't want you to stand at a distance and be mad about how much you frustrated him. He's not frustrated with you. He loves you. He embraced sinful humanity so much so that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He didn't say until you're good, I won't have anything to do with you. He says because you're not good, I am good enough for both of us. Come, let me embrace hold you in my arms, and friend, you and I have to recalibrate because if you're not careful, this unrighteousness, this sinful habits, will start taking root. What started out as just having a glass of wine once or twice a year on an anniversary has now turned into a 12 pack every weekend. What started out as just taking a little peek on the internet to see a little something, something, something on perversion has now turned into a daily occurrence for you. What started out with I just, I just couldn't take it anymore, I just had to tell them, give them a piece of my mind, has now become your identity, and everyone knows, don't poke the bear. And knowing it, your work thinks you're a Christian. What has become a little thing, what started as just, excuse me, a little thing, has now become something that has taken root. And friend, if you don't recalibrate, and not only will it take root, but it'll crash your life. So we need to recalibrate. We need to, none of you in this room are against God. None of you, you wouldn't have showed up here and said, ah, I'll be up here. You didn't show up. You knew what church was going. our gathering was going to be. It's a worship of the living God. You want Him. But what happens is, that unrighteousness, that sinfulness in us as Christians will cause us to get frustrated and walk away and say, I can't do it. I can't tell you how many times people tell me, I just can't do it. Can't do what? I just can't do it. Do what? Can't be a Christian. What are you talking about? That's like my son saying, I can't be a McCain. Son, you, have no, you are a McCain. Yeah. You're mine. What they're saying is, I can't be good enough for God to love me. And that is the greatest lie of the enemy. It is a truth. You cannot be good enough to be on the same level as God. So he reached down and picked you up into his arms as a forever loving God. And just like you do with your children, you whoop them to teach them the lesson so that they don't continue in it so it doesn't kill them and destroy them. But he loves you and he embraces you. And you should not run from him but run to him and say, God, I need your help. I'm back doing it again. I'm still addicted to that God. I'm still controlled by that. God, I need your, I don't, that's not who you made me to be and I don't want to be that person. I need you. But you have to recalibrate. Here's the third area that I'd love to see you and I recalibrate. Um, excuse me let, me, let me give you a passage of scripture on that. I love this Proverbs eleven six on this righteousness thing. It says, the righteousness of the upright delivers them. It'll keep you from being in trouble. It'll keep you from being destroyed. Continuing on. But the unfaithful are trapped by their own evil desires. They're trapped by their evil desires. In other words, because because you don't love him enough to be faithful to him, it traps you in those evil, wicked ways. Not you and I, though. God delivers us from them all. Here's a third area that you and I want to focus on, and that is our love. I thought it was interesting. When Jesus goes after Peter, after Peter has denied him three times, said he would never do it, he has greatly sinned against the Lord Jesus. (laughs) Jesus has been crucified. He's been put in the grave. He resurrects. He goes straight after Peter. He's walking on the shore of Galilee with Peter. And he's asking this question. Hey, buddy. You said you weren't going to deny me. Why did you? Is that what he asking? I thought you were man enough. I'm trying to leave you this whole ministry. You're my point, man. What happened? What went wrong? He didn't manipulate him. Was I not enough for you, Peter? Did I not help you and give you a reason for existence? He doesn't do any of that like your mama used to do. He didn't do any of that. What do he do? He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Because you know, Peter's walking like this. He knows. This is, come to Jesus meeting. That's what this is. And Jesus asks him, he says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, 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 I love you. Like, let's go. All right, come on, let's get to it. I'm ready for the whooping. No, 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 Peter, do you love me? Yes, yes, I love Peter, do you love me? See, Frank, can I tell you something? It all comes into rightness when our love is right. It, you know, those of us that have been married any length of years, Jamie and I are going on 26, I think. 26, 4, sorry, 24. Right, we celebrated twenty. She's not going to skip the 25th, she said. She wants everything that 25 affords her. 24 years of marriage. And anyone who's been married any length of time will tell you that love is not an emotional ecstasy feeling that you get when that person walks in the room. Love is a choice that you make every moment of the day. Right? That's what love is. When I first got saved, it was just... Oh! Point of view And about three months into it I was like this sucks <laughs> Like I can't I can't smoke dope <laughs> Man, I need to I can't curse that guy out He needs it <laughs> What And so Peter is being challenged by the Lord There in the gospels Do you love me Can I tell you something What we need to recalibrate more than anything Is our love for him Because wow. if the enemy does I- anything to destroy us it's to get our attention off the one we love and put it on everything else. I, I meet a lot of Christians who love their children more than they love Jesus. And so what about, how you know that? Because they spend more time with their kids chasing after their every little want and need than they do caring about what the Lord has the desires of. I've met people who love the ministry more than they love Jesus. I, I, I know people literally who love some habit more than they love Jesus. And, 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 and no matter what they do, they, they can't get past it. Why? It's not a matter of... Is that thing bad or good? It's a matter of how much do you love it more than you love Jesus. And that's what Jesus asked. And Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than anything else, buddy? Peter has to come back to a realization. Yeah, I got more excited about the ministry. I got more excited about the attention I was being given because I was walking beside you than I just was about loving you. Let's recalibrate this year. Let's come back. You need to carve out some space and just love on Jesus. Last night I was just up here because I wanted him to know as I closed out 2016. You are the love of my life. You're the reason for my existence. I love your church. and Thank you for the miracle facilities and all. But at the end of the day, you are all I care about. You are the centerpiece of who I am. And all my affection. All my passion. That's why some of you, you know, you're scared to bring your friends because they get so passionate when I'm preaching. Like, yeah, he's not mad, I promise. I just, I just really love him. And he really has transformed my life. And it's real and sincere. And I know that's the same for you. But like a marriage, over time, love can grow cold if you don't cultivate that love. You have to fight for it, don't you? It's almost like tending a garden. You have to pull the weeds out, don't you? You can't just leave it out there and expect it to be beautiful. you got to turn the dirt over, don't you? you got to go and, 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 and spray the bugs off of it, don't you? You have to fight for a real love relationship. It doesn't just happen naturally. That's a, that's a figment of somebody's imagination. It's, that works well in Disney, but it doesn't work well in real life. And I've learned to fight for my love for Jesus and not let anything else steal that. And that's why I'm constantly cutting things out. So let me give you a couple of ways to go about cultivating if you will, or let's recalibrate if you will. A couple of ways to, to recalibrate. Number one, or excuse me, a couple areas, <coughs> excuse me, that I want you to, how to recalibrate. Excuse me, how to just a moment there. Number one, you and I need to acknowledge our humanity. The first thing to do to recalibrate, you've got to acknowledge y- your humanity. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how many churches you pastored, how great of a man or woman of God you are, how many times you prophesied, you are still a sinner saved by grace. I have been in the green room with all the ones that you think are so holy on TV, and let me tell you something, their staff don't even like some of them, because you know why? Because they still have have a sin nature like the rest of us. Can I tell you something? Because they still have a flesh like all of us. And the moment that you go ahead and own the fact, I'm a sinner, I got a flesh, Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. The thing I don't want to do, I do. The thing I say I'm going to do for God, I don't do it. Paul, the apostle Paul, writes these things in the book of Romans. Oh, I'm still wretched. Oh, I've got such a sin nature. Friend, the first thing you you and I could ever do to really get in rightness with God is to go ahead and just admit we're a sinner who needs help. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how many demons you cast out, how many churches you planted, how many times you have floated over the mountains, how many times you walked on water and split the Red Sea. Friend, you and I still have a sin nature. And let me tell you something. I tell people all the time, I love you, but I don't trust your sin nature. I don't trust my sin nature. I don't trust my wife's sin nature. I don't trust my kids' sin nature. I don't trust your sin nature. We all have it, and it has to be crucified daily. It has to be brought in. So the moment we admit it, The moment we own it is the moment we can walk uprightly before the Lord, because then that means that we need help. So I put together a little quick humanity prayer tonight. Today, if you don't mind, I'd like you to pray it out loud with me. It's going to be on the board. Just an admittance of our humanity. Can you say that? Can you pray this with me? Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner saved by grace. I recognize the power of my sin nature to draw me away from you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit living and abiding in me, for without him I could not overcome my flesh. With regard to my former way of life, I put off my old self. Thank you. God bless you for that. Amen. Here's a second way that you, can, you and I can go about recalibrating, and that is to identify the adjustment areas and ask for help. To identify the adjustment areas. That the forward prop is off just a little bit and is pulling me that direction. To identify what pulls you away from the Lord. Do you, do you, do you trust him the way you did when you were first, first a Christian? Have you put your hand to the plow but then only to look back? Uh, these are all Christianese terms. Let me put it in everyday life. You started this thing saying you would trust him with everything. Do you, trust him, do you trust him with your finances? Could he tell you to give to that person in the Walmart parking lot? And you say, sure, that's God. I don't care. It's all his anyway. Do you trust him to the place where he can ask you to pray for that person in the grocery store and you're not go, oh, that's the devil, that can't be God. That would embarrass me. That's beyond what I'm comfortable with. Do you love him to the place that you're so perfect in your love that you have no fear because perfect love casts out all fear? Are you scared of standing in front of people and proclaiming his name? See, we all have areas that we can adjust, isn't that right? You just need to identify those and then ask for help. I think one of the most unfortunate prayers is the prayer that pr- goes something like this. God, I'm just so bad. Can you just help me in everything? I think, I think it's a smarter prayer to say, Lord, I struggle with this specific thing. Lord, I recognize it. I know you love me. And I know that you've given me power to overcome. But I need your help. I'm just not, I'm just not strong enough here. Bring Christians that will help me be alongside of me. Give me the power of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom to overcome, whatever it may be, from sin habits to lack of faith to gossip to slander, disunity, loveless, passionless living, whatever it may be, ask for help. And here's the third thing that I would go about doing and teach you to do, and that is then to bring it all into alignment. And let me give you a couple thoughts on how to bring some things into alignment and the way I approach things. First and foremost... One of the things that we're going to do starting tomorrow, if you've been in this church for a number of years with us, you know that every January we do a 21 day fast. We'll start tomorrow on the 2nd. You say, Oh my God, I didn't know anything about it. Well, we've been posting a little bit about social media, but we didn't want to make it a religious duty. We wanted to make it a suggestion for hungry Christians. Not that it makes you more anointed. I tell people all the time fasting does not make you more spiritual, it makes you angry. There's nothing about fasting that is enjoyable, but maybe the end result. And people think that if I fast, I'll be more like Jesus. No, you won't. You'll just have more understanding of how much flesh you have. You start telling your body, especially some of you who eat six meals a day, tell your body you're only going to eat no meals for the next two days and see what it does. It's amazing. You start off so spiritual, and you're reading the word and praying, and about, about the second day, you're like, I hate all of you. All of you beating your kid for no reason. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You, sh- you did it one time. I know you did. Sometime last year you did it. It's amazing what fasting does. It causes the flesh to be viewed as what it really is. And it begins to crush it. And so I challenge you, you don't have to fast 21 days without eating. Maybe fast the things that, uh, have stolen some of your love away. Maybe social media for a couple days. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, can I fast my husband? For no, no, no. But fast those things that, that maybe um, have been part of the problem and not part of the solution, if you will. And we do this yearly, and I do this weekly. I'll fast and just seek the Lord. And, and, uh, and, 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 and again, I don't think it makes you more spiritual. I just think it helps you identify what needs to be crucified, and it is a part of the crucifixion process of killing it. Because whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve out dies. Right? And so that's what fasting gives you the advantage to do. And so whatever it may be, for some people it'll be, you know, social media. For some people it'll be their video games or whatever it may be that you're all into. You know, can I fast work for a month? (laughs) No. And so along those lines, uh, along with fasting uh, or bringing this into alignment, fasting, another thing that I do in that process is cut some things out. I'll cut some. That's really what fasting, I cut some things out. Jot that down. What's some things you can cut out? Because, you know, we're all so busy. And you're so overcommitted. What What's some things you can cut out. So that you can really then. To the next point. Fill in with the things of the Lord. All of you would love to spend more time in prayer. Wouldn't you say amen to that? All of you would love to spend more time worshiping. Wouldn't you say amen to that? Reading the word of God. You'd all say that. If you just had more hours in the day. Actually that's not true. If you had more hours. You would fill it up with more fluffy stuff. That you don't really need. Because we all have the same amount of hours in the day. As anybody else. It's what we prioritize. So as you cut some things out. Add some things in. And as we recalibrate, great change is going to happen. I love Robin Sharma's statement. Change is hard at first, messy in the middle, and gorgeous at the end. I'll read it to you again. It's on the screen. Change is hard at first, messy in the middle, and gorgeous at the end. Listen, as you go forth over the next few days to recalibrate, it's going to be hard at first. You're going to be like, ah, why did I say yes to the Lord Sunday about that? It'll get messy in the middle of it. I don't want to do this anymore. This is dumb. I told you I couldn't do it. But if you'll stay the course in recalibrating, what'll happen is all of a sudden it'll come into alignment like you want it. And all of a sudden your, your spirit man and your flesh and your natural man and your sinful habits will be crucified. And you'll start soaring at heights. You'll start saying, man, I don't understand. God is blessing me so much. I hear his voice. I'm sensitive to him. What did he say in our key passage? He said, they have become so desensitized. The carnal man is so desensitized. God's constantly nudging you and me. We don't hear it or see it because we got all this stuff flooding us. And as we come into calibration, you'll hear it. All of a sudden, you'll hear him say, "Hey, text this person right now. Say this to him." You'll text him. They'll go, "Okay, oh, but this is Thank you so much. It's amazing how when we come into alignment and we recalibrate, how. God uses us in ways and heights that will fly that we never dreamed we could get to before. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been magnificent this morning. As we come back next Sunday, we'll talk about, we were talking about calibrating our personal lives. We'll come back next Sunday, we'll talk about the calibration of what we're doing this year as a church. And so it'll be exciting. I want you just to close your eyes with me across the room for just a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want to start the recalibration process right now. As you stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed, would you just, again, would you just admit to yourself and to the Lord that you're a sinner saved by grace? Would you just say, Lord, I need you. I, I, I recognize. Would you just admit that you have a sin nature, a flesh that must be crucified? And as you stand there, and you're just being brutally honest with yourself and the Lord, just standing in the light of His righteousness over you, as you just embrace His goodness towards you, would you then also say, Lord, would you help me with this particular area? You might want to go home and write down a couple of areas that you want to recalibrate in reference to faith, righteousness, and love. You may want to, as you stand here now, ask the Lord, reveal to me, Lord, what keeps pulling me? What keeps pulling me off the path? What keeps causing me to crash into big objects that I don't, I don't think is right? Let the Lord reveal truth to you, maybe if you don't see it. If you already see it, and you've been really hard on yourself, and you've been super judgmental with yourself, and shameful, would you just let that go for a moment, and just ask for help? See, when you ask for help, it's proof that you let go of the shame, and you let go of the pride, because when you humble yourself to ask for help, you're on the journey to recovery. And so Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name, that you hear the cry of every one of us, who call ourselves believers, who love you with our heart, and our soul, and our mind, and our strength, but who recognize that, There's some areas we need to tighten up. Some areas that we need your help in, Jesus. We don't want them to take root and crash us in the future. Lord God, Paul was having to bring correction to the Ephesians and warn them about the former way of living that they used to live in to take off the old self and put on the new self. Lord, we do that here today. Right there where you stand, would you just put on the new self? Take off that old self, a way of thinking about about how you're going to get even with that person who did you dirty. Go ahead and take off that old self about how it ain't fair that this happened to you. Go ahead and just put off the old self. Put on the new self and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. My, my, my life is in the palm of your hand. Put on the new self and just say, Lord, I love you more than anything else. I don't love you. There's nothing I love more than you. Put on the new self and just say to that old sin, it doesn't, it doesn't have control over you. That you're, you're more, than a, you're more than, than, than a victor in Christ Jesus. More than an overcomer. Thank you, Father. Now, as you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're in this service today with us, and you're struggling because you, you have shame, even insecurity, you're not sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You're not sure that you have a relationship with the living God. Friend, I got good news for you. He wants to be with you. The God who created you, who lost you to sin, who sent his only begotten son so that you could have a restored relationship he's reaching out to you today if you've been away from the Lord maybe you used to be a Christian but you walked away from him you committed spiritual suicide somewhere along the way you you gave up on the relationship he's asking you to come home maybe you've never been a Christian never made Jesus the Lord of your life you're not even sure what that means friend I got good news for you today he's calling you to come to him He said, what do I have to do? Well, here's the good news. He did it all. See, our sin, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, sin became natural to all of humanity. It's what we do naturally. It separated us from God. God so loved us that he sent his son who died on a cross, and that was the payment for the penalty of our sin. And so our response is simply this, to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus continued that and said, and then obey my teachings. And friend, today, if you've been away from the Lord, if you've never known Him as your Lord and Savior, I want to lead you back to Him. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. I want to connect you back to the living God. With no one looking around, no, no head up, no eye open, if that's you and you're ready to be right with the Lord, I want you to quickly just throw up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time. It's time for a change. It's time to set things right. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. God bless you, sir. You can put it back down. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Give you a couple more seconds. Thank you, sweet love. God bless you, sister. Anybody else? May the Lord Lord work in you today like never before. About two more seconds. Anybody else? Thank you, sweet love. You can put it back down. Pray for me, Pastor. I see it. Thank you, sir. It's time to get right with the Lord. I want to be right. And many hands going up. Anybody else want to join in and say, this is my moment. I realize this is it. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, I want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of repentance. A prayer of being right with the Lord. A prayer of coming to Him and making Him the Lord of your life. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray out loud with those of you who lifted your hand. This is a sealing moment. See, when you lifted your hand, you were already admitting you needed Him. You were already humbling yourself. Now we're going to seal it with a prayer. And from this day forward, His Holy Spirit's going to live and abide in you. Pray it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life, my desires, my wants. And I declare, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Forgive me of all the sin. Wash away the shame and the guilt. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand, who said that prayer, who meant this relational connection. Lord, I pray right now they would sense your peace They would know your joy. They would know that, Lord God, that they don't have to perform. They don't have to give all the money to the church. They don't have to beg and plead. They don't have to do 2,500 Hail Marys. They don't have to light candles. You did it all on the cross. And as they receive that love, as they receive that gift of forgiveness oh God, that as that receiving happens right now, that they would sense peace and joy and fulfillment in Jesus' name, Lord God. Lord, I pray that the old way of living, that old self, as they're just throwing that off and putting on their new self, that, Lord God, the stench of the old life, wouldn't even be attractive to them anymore that lord god that their love for you would be paramount in all they are all they say and all they do we seal their salvation with a thank you jesus we know that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because sinners have turned their hearts back to the father we bless you in this hour in jesus name and everybody shout it amen and